Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Nuggets Nation, where you'll find the most up-to-date news, stories, and information about the Denver Nuggets and their organization. Brought to you by your host, Ethan Hinschel. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 17 of Nuggets Nation. This is your host, Ethan, and I'm here to recap the past two games against the Boston Celtics and against the Washington Wizards. Let's get right into it. Before I do that, I do have to announce a special giveaway that I am doing. One of the first 500 subscribers that subscribe to this podcast, as well as follow my TikTok channel, will have an opportunity to win a free Nikola Jokic jersey. So all you have to do is subscribe and follow really straightforward, and I'll ship it out on my own dime. So free to do, easy to do. I recommend doing. Why not? It's a great podcast. You should listen to it anyways. So yeah. But on that note, I really wanted to get into these past two games and wow, what a fucking game against the Boston Celtics that was. For those who watched the Philadelphia 76ers game last Tuesday on TNT, it was a bit of a disappointing game as I alluded to on multiple fronts, but nothing to be too concerned about. And that point, proved to be true because the Nuggets won this game in Boston on the road. For those who were not aware, I know I mentioned it, I believe, in my last podcast episode, but I will do so again and I will reiterate again. Boston was 20-0 at home, 20 wins, zero losses. They had yet to lose at home. So getting this win, not only was it monstrous for the road trip and just for your overall season and just knowing that you can win in Boston for maybe down the road later, but you beat a team that was undefeated at home. So that's almost demoralizing for them, and it's like, this is the team they wanted to least lose to was the Denver Nuggets, the Boston Celtics, because the Nuggets were the defending NBA champions, and this is a barometer for the Celtics as to where they were at, and I don't think it's anything for the Celtics to worry about necessarily. I think they're an incredibly talented team, more so kudos to the Nuggets. So for all Nuggets fans listening to this podcast right now, this was a great fucking game, okay? Like, I can't emphasize enough how great of a game this was. I was so hyped to see the Nuggets win. I was screaming. <laughs> yeah, that puts it politely. But I'm like smiling right now as I'm recording. And this this game was the best game of the season so far for the Nuggets. It was such a good game. And that kind of describes it all. But I will get down into what made it so great. So first, Nuggets won, as we know, 102-100. to 100. So this was a defensive showdown in the second half, not in the first half. The first quarter, the Nuggets scored 31. Boston scored 32. So it was relatively close early in the first quarter. The second quarter, Denver scored 24, so their offense dipped a bit down, and Boston scored 29, so their offense dipped slightly by three points, while Denver's dipped seven points, which is rather drastic. Boston, at this point, they were up 61-55 to 55 at halftime. And I want to bring some first-half statistics forward, because Denver allowed 61 points in the first half. Boston shot 46.8% from the field. They shot 38.3% from three making 10 to 26 in the first half. The three-point shot really killed the Nuggets in the first half. They just couldn't stop the three, and they also had to work on their defensive adjustments. Some of those defensive adjustments looked like getting Jokic off Porzingis, 
because they were doing a lot of pick and pops with Porzingis and Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, Drew Holiday. They were doing lots of pick and pops, and Jokic struggles to defend the pick and roll, especially when it's near the three-point line when he's covering big guys in space. I think that's been known about Jokic, and that is why the Nuggets quickly put him on Drew Holiday, and Michael Malone quickly adjusted, recognizing that they were going to try to exploit that, which they did. They hit like two or three shots right away, and Porzingis' shot was really good, and he's a really good shooter, and they were making those shots, which is unfortunate, but the Nuggets quickly adjusted, and their schemes seemed to not necessarily work in the first half, but the Boston Celtics had to adjust to the scheme that the Denver Nuggets were showing on defense, and this kind of gets into the second half for the Nuggets because in the second half for the Nuggets, it was a completely different team. The Nuggets in the second half of this game, not only did they dominate defensively, but they played super confidently. Not to say they didn't play confidently in the first half, but it looked like they were going to win in the second half. It didn't necessarily look like they were going to win in the first half. In the first half, it looked like, can they score enough to keep pace with the Boston Celtics? The second half looks like, all right, these are the Denver Nuggets. I know that I'm used to watching from the spring, and we got them. And for those people questioning the Nuggets after Tuesday's game in in not Boston in Philly, I think this proves to you that the Nuggets are for real. If you didn't think they were for real after they lost that game, I don't really know what you're thinking, but it is what it is. Us Nuggets fans know that the Nuggets are for real and that they're contending for another NBA championship this year. And this win in Boston only proved that. But the third quarter, the Nuggets outscored Boston 26-21, to so they had a plus-five point differential for the quarter, meaning that they were down one point entering the fourth quarter. And for those who remember, in Philly, the Nuggets lost that game in the fourth quarter. It was the first few minutes of the fourth quarter when Jokic subbed out, and we had DeAndre Jordan in, or it was Zeke Naji, I can't remember exactly, and they really struggled. And the bench unit with whoever staggered, I don't remember off the top of my head, I think it was Jamal Murray or Michael Porter in that Philly game, they really struggled. And they could not score, and Philly got up five to seven points. And then Jokic came back in, and the Nuggets were down seven to nine, and they couldn't get it closer to that. And the difference here was I said to my roommate, who I was watching the game with, was if the Nuggets are going to win this game, they need to play well in these two to three minutes stretch that Jokic was going to be out. And it was actually going to be shorter than the rest he sat against Philly because this game just had that much more animosity and that much more intensive atmosphere to the game and it 100% felt like a playoff game every point mattered every bucket you were yes you were yes let's go every point mattered and on that note Jokic played I believe 38 minutes and it's one of his higher season totals for regular season minutes without overtime and Michael Malone had no problem doing it because he knows how important Jokic is to this team. He is the heart and soul of the Denver Nuggets. And not only that, but he played so well in this game. And I'm going to get into his stat line. But I just want to talk about what the reasons were. What what were the main reasons for the Nuggets winning? And yes, that was Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. But like I said, I want to get into those stats in a little bit. But right now, I just want to talk about what went wrong in the first half and then how they adjusted in the second half. Because as I said, they allowed 61 points in the first half. But in the second half, they allowed 39 points. And in the fourth quarter, Denver outscored Boston 21-18. to And in those two to three minute stretch without Nikola Jokic, Boston, or Denver actually had a plus point differential in that two to three minute stretch. And right there and then, I was like, all right, the Nuggets have a great opportunity to win this game. They didn't go a minus point differential when Jokic came out in those two to three minutes. They held neutral, if not stayed positive. He came back in 
and it, it was just light work. Him and Jamal Murray were just going at it. Pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. You couldn't stop it. They knew that. They were making shots. Jamal Murray was in his bag. Jokic was in his bag. It was electric. This game was fucking electric. And that's kind of all almost that needs to be said. In the second half, Boston shot 38.1% from the field. So down from 46.8 to 38.1. They shot 22.2% from three in the second half. Down from 38.5 in the first half. In the first half, they made 10 threes while shooting 26. In the second half, they made four threes while shooting 18 attempts. So six less threes, 18 less points. A massive amount. While in the second half... Denver shot 46.3% from two, and they shot 17% from three. They did not shoot from three well in the second half. However, in the second half, Denver out-rebounded Boston 27-18. to 18. Rebounds in the first half were tied. And I know I've talked a lot about Pat Riley on this podcast, just not a lot about in terms of him specifically, but in terms of his philosophy about how rebounding wins basketball games. And tonight, in the second half, Nuggets out-rebounding Boston by a plus-nine differential was a key reason as to why the Nuggets won this game. It wasn't necessarily assists. Those, though, do matter. And yeah, the turnovers cutting them down from six to three in the second, six in the first half to three in the second half did obviously affect, and you can't have high turnovers to win games, but the rebounds and Rebounding specifically, and one person in particular, well, a few, but one person one person in particular stood out rebounding the ball tremendously was Michael Porter Jr., and he had four offensive rebounds in today's game, and those four offensive rebounds were crucial rebounds in today's game, and they mattered so much for the Nuggets. Sorry, I said today as I'm recording right now on Monday, but not today, on Friday's game, and those were such good rebounds because they led to points, and he was being active around the glass. And you, you just can't talk enough about Michael Porter because, yeah, maybe he wasn't the focal point on offense tonight because Jamal had 35 and Jokic had 34. So they combined for 69 of the Nuggets, 102 points. So when those guys are going for 30-plus points, there's not going to be a ton of points for the other players to score. And the Nuggets didn't care. They knew that they needed to just get the win, and they did so. So now I'm going to break down the player stats because – I just felt it was important to first talk about what went so well in this game and then how they adjusted to make the game go well. Because this game did not start off going well for the Nuggets. Though they were only down 5 or 6 at halftime, it easily could have grown to 10 to start the third quarter. But the Nuggets really anchored down defensively, and that is what won them, won them this game. The questions last season were, the Nuggets are great offensively. Jokic is incredible. He's a two-time MVP. They have players. They have Jamal Murray. They have Michael Porter. They have Aaron Gordon. But can they play defense? And we know they answered those questions in the spring. And they proved to us on Friday that the Nuggets play defense when it matters most. They have one of the best clutch defenses in the NBA, according to multiple stats statistician websites and they did that friday so for all the naysayers out there whatever we don't really care about you but you know the nuggets continue to prove to do it night in and night out and in this game Jokic was 14 or 22 from the field which equals 63.6 percent field goal percentage he was two of four from three so 50 percent four or four from the line he had 12 rebounds he had nine assists he did have four turnovers but that was due to his super high usage rate and just his plays that he was doing, and he had 34 points. And then the Nuggets, second co-star of the game, right there with Jamal Murray, or right there with Nikola Jokic, was Jamal Murray. He was 15 to 21 shooting. 15 to 21 shooting. Like I, I don't know how absurd you guys realize that number is, but 15 to 21 shooting is 71.4 percent from the field. That is a player's best game in his career, and it's this was one of Jamal Murray's better games of his career, I'd argue. But this was Finals Jamal Murray we saw. 
on Friday. And boy, was it a spectacular show to watch. 15 to 21 from the field, three of seven from three, just under 43%. Two of three from the line, eight rebounds, five assists. Something that I want to point out about that stat line, not just his points, but his rebounds. And Michael Malone alluded to this, and I've always thought this, I just haven't really aired it on this podcast, but I will start to, is that when Jamal Murray is rebounding, he's really in the game defensively, and that's usually when he's at his best. Because he's going to score, he's going to assist, but when he's rebounding, that's when he's at his best. And that was present on Friday against the Boston Celtics on the road. And then Michael Porter Jr., he only shot nine. He only shot the ball nine times. He was 5-9, 55.6%, 104 from three, Two or three from the free throw line. He had eight rebounds, and four of those rebounds were offensive. As I said, he had 13 points. So the points were not tremendous. He only had 13, which is his below his season average. But four offensive rebounds. That was a tremendous number. He was key in the second half, getting key rebounds in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter. When they needed it most, Michael Porter was doing it. And yeah, he wasn't scoring like Jamal or Nicola was on Friday. But he doesn't have to. That's not his job necessarily every night. Some nights, yeah, they need him to score. But going into the game, yeah, would I say Michael Porter needs to score? Yeah, but I didn't think it was going to be a 102 to 100 game. So he can do what's asked of him, and he does it well. Does it seamlessly? Does it well? Doesn't complain. So that's such an incredible attribute in a player to have on your team. He does his job and doesn't complain. It seems simple, but so many guys in the NBA complain when they're asked to do certain things that they don't like to do. But Michael Porter keeps his head high. He knows the team's goal at the end of the season, and he doesn't mind. Sorry, just you can't say enough when a player does that. And I know that was a bit of a tangent, but when guys do that, they almost don't get the respect that they deserve for doing so. Aaron Gordon had 10, point, uh, 10 rebounds, not 10 points, two of those offensive. The bench was solid tonight. I thought they provided good minutes, as I've alluded to a few minutes ago. Reggie Jackson had four points. Peyton Watson had nine points off the bench. He was huge. He was one of six from three. And you may say, Ethan, why did you include his one of six from three? And I've said it before on other podcasts. It's important that Peyton Watson has the confidence to keep shooting the ball. Peyton Watson is going to be a playoff rotation member for the Nuggets. He is a good player. They need him at his highest come the playoffs. And Michael Malone is trusting him. Unfortunately, Christian Braun had zero points off the bench. And that is something to keep an eye on to note. Just because he has struggled this season offensively, especially in the half court, I would say that's probably been his biggest weakness. And... For the Nuggets to get where they want to go, they need him to be better. And I just, it's a little concerning as to where he's at. I'm not saying he's done developing in his career, but for right now, the Nuggets are in win now mode. They need him to be better. And offensively, he's not where they want him to be. So it's a little concerning, to be honest. But this game was phenomenal. And you really can't say enough about how good this game was. I brought in a few stats from NBA.com. NBA.com is a phenomenal website. I'm not plugging this. I'm just saying it because it is. They're not paying me to say this. I'm not big enough yet. Uh, And it's a phenomenal website. I love to use that website to get these great stats for you guys. And I'm going to start using it more. And if you guys ever have feedback on great websites to use for stats, please share with me and let me know because I'm really happy to hear that, to be honest. But Jokic dominated whoever was guarding him tonight. You probably figured based on his point total, but if he didn't, he did. He had 17 points against Chris Tapps, shooting 7-12 against him. He went 5-6 against Al Horford, who stood absolutely no chance of guarding Jokic. And I think if this is a potential finals preview for June... Boston Celtics are an elite team. They are probably the best team in the 
NBA outside of the Denver Nuggets, I would argue. So this is an incredible team. This was one game. Don't take this into account for a seven-game series. However, the Boston Celtics had no answer for Nikola Jokic. And I don't know if they're going to get one. Trading Rob Williams is a loss. He is another big guy that you can throw on Jokic. And a team that has had some of the more most success against Jokic is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Because they have Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert and Nas Reed. So they have three big guys, two in their starting lineup, one off their bench. And the Boston Celtics kind of only have two right now. So that is for sure a bit of a mismatch for the Nuggets. And you can't expect Jamal Murray to play that well. But you can expect Jokic. He's an MVP. He's the best player in the world. I know Embiid might have played better than him on Tuesday, but he is the best player in the world. I don't care what one performance dictates about a player. Nikola Jokic is the NBA's MVP. He is the best player in the um, he is the best player in the NBA. He is the best player on this globe. It's that simple. So, to transition to the Washington Wizards game again on Sunday, the Nuggets won 113 to 104, and. You know, going from Friday's game against the Boston Celtics to this game against the Washington Wizards, it wasn't a letdown. The Nuggets won, but you you could have figured they might come out a little flat just because when you have such a win like that, it's such a high that you get from winning that game on the road. You're in the midst of a five-game road trip, which is a long road trip. You're away from Ball Arena. You're away from Denver. You're away from your family, and it's tough. Traveling's tough. And as I said on the podcast before this one, Winning on the road is really hard. So if you can go 3-2 on, on the road trip, that's a great result. The Nuggets have positioned themselves to do a 4-1 and one road trip potentially. So if they can just split their next two games against the Indiana Pacers and New York Knicks, they'll finish the road trip 3-2. and two. But if they can win both, they'll go 4-1, and one, which would be an incredible road trip. But I will touch on that at the end of this episode. But before I do that, I want to go down into what went well against the Washington Wizards. So against the Washington Wizards, the Nuggets won 113 to 104, as I mentioned before, and this is what went well. So, Michael Porter, just starting with him, he was 8 of 14 shooting, 3 of 7 from 3, he attempted 0 free throws, he had 5 rebounds, all defensive, 2 assists, 2 blocks on 19 points, he was really good defensively tonight. I thought, like I said, against Boston, he did his job and did what was asked of him, the Washington Wizards guarded Jokic one-on-one, and if you're going to do that, you're not going to bring him any help. He is going to dominate like he did. And boy, was it fun to watch Jokic dominate. Jokic was 15-20 for 75% shooting, took 0 threes, didn't need to take a shot from three because he was dominating inside. They were playing him one-on-one. He was just getting paint position deep inside the paint. You couldn't stop him. No matter what you did, he was scoring. Chola 14 from the free throw line, which is good for 86%. He had 12 rebounds, four of those being offensive, so incredible efficiency there. Eight assists, two steals, two blocks. No turnovers, two fouls, 42 points for Nikola Jokic. Wow, what a performance. So as I said, before I transition to Game 2 recap, after I said Game 1 against the Boston Celtics, Nikola Jokic is the NBA's MVP, and he proved it again against the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards are trash. They are not good. They are one of the NBA's worst defensive teams, if not the worst defensive team. So him scoring 42 should be, yeah, he should score 30 plus points against the Washington Wizards. They're trash. So he did what was asked, and Aaron Gordon had 11 points, 10 rebounds, two assists, one steal, three blocks, three of seven from the free throw line. I'd like him to get better at the free throw line. He was 4 10 from the field. Jamal Murray did not shoot the ball well in today's, or not in today's game, yesterday against the Washington Wizards. He was 7 of 23, 3 of 8 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line. He had five rebounds, seven assists, 19 points. KCP had 10 points. And then other guys, Reggie Jackson had three points, Peyton Watson had two points, 
Zeke Naji had two points. DeAndre Jordan had three points. Christian Braun had two points. So the bench was not that good in today's game. And unfortunately, I honestly wish the bench was a bit better in today's game. Because in today's game, not today's game, sorry, against the Washington Wizards, the Nuggets had potential to really dominate. And the starters dominated 100%, but the bench did not dominate as I would expect they would. And the Washington Wizards have one of the NBA's better benches which for sure can be a little confusing. However, if you think about it, usually worse teams have better benches because their average talented starting lineup player is closer to a bench player. That's why they're worse and not a good team. And they're going to have some better bench players because they might have younger players up on the rise or whatever. But for whatever reasons, the Washington Wizards have one of the better benches in the NBA and it is what it is. But I thought this was a great opportunity for the Nuggets to have a really good bench game. And they didn't, unfortunately. And that was disappointing, as I've alluded to. And the biggest disappointment for me was Zeke Nashi. And it's not even a disappointment anymore. It's just like, it's questioning the Nuggets' decision almost about re-signing him. And I don't want to, I don't even think I'm shitting on the guy, but I, I don't want to shit on the guy at all, to be honest with you. I want to support him because he's obviously struggling. The guy is not playing well, and he signed a four-year, $32 million extension in the offseason contract extension. He hasn't got the trust that he probably expected to get from Michael Malone, which I bet is a little bit disheartening. And in a game like against the Wizards where he was going to get, he was probably told at the start of the game, like, look, you're going to get an opportunity to play in the first half when Nikola Jokic comes out. Those are your minutes. They're not going to be given to DeAndre Jordan. They're going to be given to you. And he really didn't play well. He picked up two offensive fouls, both illegal screens, which has been just a constant problem for him. He doesn't play confident. He struggles. He looked he looked upset out there. And when a player looks upset out there, nine times out of ten, they are. And to me, that's a problem. You want your players playing confident. You need your players trusting themselves and trusting their teammates. And he's just not. And it's as sad or as bit of a bummer as that is it is game I don't know what game it is off the top of my head right now but going into game four of this road trip that's just you can't have that we're, we're already past the halfway mark for the regular season that was last Sunday against the Indiana Pacers and you can't have that you need him playing confidently confidently and poorly can still go hand in hand but at least you can play confidently you need him playing confidently and he's not and a piece of me wonders is there any justice in potentially sending him down to the G League just so he can play consistent minutes? I don't know if that's allowed in his contract. I can figure that out and include it at the end of this podcast as like a little PS note. But that's a that's a question that I've thought about for the past week and a half is, is he someone you can send down to get some time? And I don't know if it's allowed in his contract because he signed an extension, if he's even eligible to go down. If he is... I really think it's something the Nuggets should entertain. If it's not, I don't really know what the Nuggets should do because he's not a player that you can trust to play rotational minutes right now, even just as a role player coming off the bench, much less be even six to ten minutes a night. He is not providing those six to ten minutes. He is one of the worst players on the court. And it's the sad truth. It's the reality of the situation. I thought he showed potential in the first dozen games of the season. He was kind of breaking into the rotation, has kind of lost that momentum, I would argue, whatever you want to call it, and he's now kind of fluttering and floundering out of place, and in the second half, DeAndre Jordan played, and I don't know if 
I don't know if there's much of a, if, I don't know if there's a bigger slap in the face than that. And I know I talk a lot about how the Nuggets, they play as one and they have such a good culture as a team. And this is really going to test that culture because he signed a contract extension, only 8 million a year, four years, 32 million. So nothing monstrous, but it is a lower mid-level contract. It's a low middle, it's a low mid-level contract. Jeez, sorry. Tongue twister words right there. But on that note, the expectation is you sign a contract extension. This team is vesting faith in you. They are putting their trust in you to be one of their rotational players. They're not saying you're starting. That is Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic's job in the front court. But the expectation was that you're going to be a backup to one of the two players. And right now, DeAndre Jordan has been backing up Nikola Jokic. And DeAndre Jordan has been getting outclassed most nights just because he's nowhere near athletic enough. And he's not going to be a playoff player. He's doing his job right now and he's helping the team as is. But Aaron Gordon is their backup center come playoffs. Don't let it be mistaken. So I think not having Zeke Naji be an actual rotational piece for the Nuggets this year so far is a bit of a disappointment. Just because when you sign them to that extension in the offseason, I... Could be mistaken, but it seems hard to believe that the expectation wouldn't be that he was going to be a part of the rotation, and he hasn't been, and he's been given opportunity. He has not proven his worth in that opportunity, and it makes me question with the Nuggets attempt to try to trade him and get rid of his salary and his contract in kind of a way to, you know, look, you won with us in the spring. That's wonderful. You have your ring. But you signed this extension, you're not playing well, you're not getting minutes. Why don't we see if we can find you a home elsewhere or someone, it's not a big salary, but where you'll start potentially, or, or where you will get legit bench minutes. And he is not going to get those right now in the Nuggets. And he's not about to like break in and get them. And unfortunately, the Washington Wizards was one of his better games to do so and prove his worth if he went off and had 15 points and 5 rebounds or even just 7 points and 5 rebounds. Yeah, you maybe would have seen something from him in terms of more play, but he didn't. He struggled, and I know he was disappointed, and Michael Malone was for sure disappointed, but it is what it is. I don't want to highlight too much on it just because it's it's not unimportant, but it's not the most important thing. I think the loss of Lodko Conchar is bigger, to be honest. That loss has been noticed this season. I am going to have an episode coming up soon about a trade deadline acquisition episode. And the loss of Lonco Conchar is really big because he could stretch the floor out of the four position. He was a little undersized, but he could play solid defense. He's coming off the bench. He can play the pick and roll. He can shoot the ball decently. And he's being missed because the Nuggets are looking for a little more experience at the forward position. And Peyton Watson's in his second year. And it's no discredit to him. I believe he'll become a wonderful player. I just really hope the Nuggets pick up Vladkar Conchar's team option this offseason because I really do think he can get better. He does have an ACL injury he's coming off of, which is a huge injury to come off of. But I do think the Nuggets are going to look to trade for a forward. And I have an episode, so I've done a lot of research, to say the least. I've probably put in five hours of research about players to potentially acquire, who the Nuggets might want to acquire, I have a list, and I'm not going to spoil any names now due to my hard work. That will be its own episode, but make sure you stay tuned for that. But before I end this episode, I want to talk about the Nuggets' upcoming schedule. So they face off against the Indiana Pacers tomorrow night. So that will be the day this podcast is released. So tomorrow I'm recording Monday, January 22nd right now at 7.30 p.m. in Colorado. And 
So when you listen to this podcast tomorrow on Tuesday, January 23rd, the Nuggets will play that night against the Indiana Pacers. Right now, depending on what betting app you look at, the Nuggets are favored by 2.5 to 3.5 points. The Indiana Pacers do have Tyrese Halliburton back, and they have their recently acquired Pascal Siakam. So the Indiana Pacers are really good. It's not the same team that the Nuggets saw last Sunday at Ball Arena. Not only last Sunday did the United Tyrese, but Pascal Siakam was yet to even be part of that team yet. So it's going to be a tough game. I'm really excited for that game. It's a bit of an earlier game. If I believe I am correct, the game is at one second because I'm checking now. The game, I believe, is at 530, I believe, but double-checking, opening ESPN right now, and the game is at 5 p.m. tomorrow, not even 5.30. 5 p.m. local time for Denver, 7 p.m. Eastern, so a bit of an early start as it's on the East, not East Coast, but it's in an Eastern time zone, and the Nuggets are going to look to get off to a hot start. Tyrese Halliburton is the Indiana Pacers' leading scorer. He has 23.6 points a game under just under 50% shooting, 86 from the Free throw line, he is incredibly good. He averages 12 assists a game, which is incredible. And he's just really talented. So Nuggets are going to have their hands full on Tuesday against the Indiana Pacers. Then on Thursday, they go to MSG, to Madison Square Garden, and face off against the New York Knicks, who are playing pretty well lately, actually. They have a good team. They recently just traded for OG Ananobi, like the Indiana Pacers made a trade. They also made a trade relatively recently. A bit of a blockbuster trade. And he's a really good player, OG Ananobi. He's a really good defensive player. He's a 3 and D player. The Knicks are good. The Knicks are good. Hopefully, maybe on Tuesday or Wednesday, I can release a preview for that game with like a little recap of the Indiana Pacers game. I'm really trying to do my best, guys, to bring you episodes and recaps after every game. But I do have a life, and I don't say that obnoxiously at all. I know you're all probably well aware of that. But... As I said, I'm in college and I'm finishing up my degree and I want to be social with friends in the time I have left at college. So it's, I do balance the two and it's important for me to do so because it's important for my, my mental health. But I do enjoy podcasting and I'm going to keep doing it as often and as possible as I can. But as my schoolwork picks up, it does get harder. But I promise to keep delivering at the bare minimum one weekly podcast. So that's a guarantee, 100%. But I'll do my best to bring content nearly every day. But on that note, I just want to say thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful day and go Nuggets.